Yo, we're back. Manchild, the Manchild podcast. The podcast about struggling well, struggling on purpose. We need to do hard things. We have to do hard things. We have to stop trying to avoid hard things at all costs and seeing how easy we can make things on ourselves to slow and painful and really uh, unconscious death. Really, you know? That's what it is to just try to seek comfort at all costs at all times. Don't get me wrong, man. I find myself trying to do the same thing all the time. Anyway, it's Christmas, man. It's Christmas time. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, I'm just so busy, so busy with the holidays. What? What are you so busy about? What are you doing? You know, your wife will wrap the presents. Help out. Help. But then don't don't be fake busy. Don't chill. There's two things we say too much. Oh, I'm just so busy. Well, you just waste a lot of time. And then the other thing we say is I'm just tired. No, you just you you don't get enough good sleep, and you eat garbage, right? This is me. I'm looking in the mirror saying this to myself, right? I say I'm busy too much. I say I'm tired too much, and it's nonsense. We can do more. During the day, we can sleep better, and uh, we can you can call people back. All right, lots of stuff going on. Listen, we don't we don't put stuff out as fast as we possibly can because we're like, oh man, we're gonna. Yeah, I want man child to grow, and we and we and we got a lot of dreams, hopes, goals, and aspirations for this experiment, this movement, if you will, that we're trying to get going, but not at the cost of living. Like I'm not. It, what a what a oxymoron it would be if I'm like, oh, I can't go hang out with my kid or I can't pick him up from school or I can't go to his basketball game because I'm working on stuff to tell people how that it's important to pick your kid up from school and go to the basketball game and be there in their life and, you know, and I'd be a big stupid hypocrite. So, you know, we don't do things as fast as maybe we should, as fast as some brand with seven to nine people in an office with a marketing guy and a, apparel people. It's... A, this is a mom, Paul, you know, grassroots operation. So you got to stick with us, bear with us, and help us grow this thing uh, because you believe in it, because I believe in it, and that's what we're doing. All right. New article is up. Listen, some people are like, look, man, why are you writing articles? People like to watch stuff and read stuff. I, yeah, but sometimes you just need to read yourself alone without watching somebody say it a certain way to you to make you think a certain way and just you have a deep thought to start your day and that's what the articles are for all right so the new article coming up is forgiveness charades right how many times do you say sorry when you're not really sorry how many times do you say all right i forgive you but you really just log that away in your back pocket to use against somebody later on when they do it again and, uh, man, we've got to get better at doing, at, at, at uh, saying what we mean and meaning what we say. And if you don't mean it, don't say it. And if you said it, do it. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody. And, and I'm calling myself to the carpet by putting this on tape, right, uh, to you guys. So that when, when I don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation, but I know it's essential, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make myself do it. And if it's, you know... If you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything. Don't lie, man. Don't lie. Anyway, all right. I'm excited about this episode. I always say that. That's in, that sounds disingenuous, but it's but it's true because it's my old buddy, my old pal from the University of Central Florida, the boat, 
the best of all time, Blake Bortles. Me and him go way back, man. One of my first jobs as a coach. I'm a young guy. Uh, the man child, Jay Day, was just born like four days before we started working at UCF. And here's this kid from Oviedo, Florida. They're like, oh, he's okay at quarterback. And then the uh, 2013 season, and we and we went 12-1 and and beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. And all of a sudden, this guy goes to be a top-five pick and uh, kind of has some, some bursting moments of brilliance as a young quarterback in the NFL. And then as the, he's, he's, he's had some struggles as well. He's very open about that in this interview. We have a good time. If you know anything about Blake Bortles, it's always a good time to talk to him. Uh, we talk about I worked for him. He played for him. A guy named George O'Leary. Uh, dude, there's nobody left like that. Um, maybe Bilicek, maybe Saban, somebody like that, just doing it the way they want to do it and coaching people really, really hard and don't care what you think about it. And we discussed that. And my man's getting a little kind of like, you know, old grumpy dad, the way he's talking about kids today. I was, I was kind of excited about it. So we get into some about that. We get into the why kids just transfer now in college football instead of sticking it out and fighting it out and, um, why we're trying to constantly just make kids avoid uh, failure and we, we're afraid to be honest with kids because they'll leave or they'll quit or whatever. Um, there's a lot to unpack here, but it's, a, it's, it's fun as well to listen to. I think he had the conversation in his, uh, his Tesla which was a famous story of how he got that because he just was messing around. Anyway, you can watch that on Barstool sometimes. This is not a plug. We do not have an official affiliation with Barstool Sports, but there is an interesting backstory to how Blake Bortles got his Tesla. Um, so this is where this conversation was recorded. I wasn't in the Tesla. I was in a parking lot in a 98 uh Chevy Stepside Silverado that has the engine light on and we can't understand why. I was not in the Tesla, okay? So, uh, guys, have yourself a merry little Christmas and make the Yuletides gay. <laughs> I, I I had to, okay? Um, what else? I think we're good, man. Let's just listen to this. Have a great time. Listen, uh, ain't nobody getting paid out here. All right, ain't nobody making money off of you unless you buy a T-shirt, and then I think I might break even because I got to pay the screen printing people. Um, other than that, uh, share stuff, man. Help me out, right? If it's some stupid, gigantic company that like puts out a new thing, you share that. You don't ask them for a discount. Besides, so it's, it's none of you asked me for a discount. That's not what I was saying. I'm just saying, help your friends out that are trying to do something, that are trying to make something, that are trying to create something. Let's help each other, man. Let's make our existence uh, fun to be around, to be together. All right? And let's enjoy this interview with my man, Blake Bortles. Let's go. What you know about me? Is this Blake Bortles? Hey, man, what's going on? It is the Blake Bortles. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome. Is this, uh, uh, is this uh, the Luke Day? This is it. You're on it. This is the Man Child Podcast. It's happening. Oh, let's go. What's up? Oh, man, not much. He's driving into work. Yeah. Uh, where is work nowadays for the listeners? Work is in uh, it's in LA. Uh, technically, our uh, we're, our facility's up in Thousand Oaks, so a little bit north of the city. Gotcha. Got with the Los Angeles Rams, kind of a rough outing last night. Yeah, we, we with the Los, Los Angeles Rams, we got spanked last night on Monday Night Football. So uh, <sighs> not the best outing, but looking to regroup and uh, go beat Arizona this week. So we're here with the boat. I like. I knew you pre-boat. Uh, where, where, where did this, this, uh, nickname come from? Uh, Barstool actually started it. Um, it was, uh, it was kind of a joke. Uh, it was at two years ago when we were playing new England in the AFC championship game when I was in Jacksonville and, uh, and Tom Brady was the goat and, uh, greatest of all time. The, and you are yep. the, the best of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and don't ever get it confused. I don't think that about myself. That was, uh, it was kind of a joke, and uh, it was the goat versus the boat, and uh, people had a lot of fun with it. Well, you know, there's there's, a, there's quite a, uh, you have a cult following up here in the Midwest, if I can call it that. And so, we'll get to some questions later that we took a, a poll of what people want to hear from said boat. Uh, but a little bit of background. I knew you when you were just a youngster from Oviedo. In Orlando, Florida, at a little place called University of Central Florida. And we both had the unbelievable pleasure of working for, you played for, I worked for a guy named George O'Leary. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you could give us, if, if someone that has no idea, in 20, and 30 years, a young child that's never heard the name George O'Leary, what, what word would you say to describe that man? Oh, one word to describe George O'Leary. Um, <laughs> I want to say dictatorship, but <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, he was, he was awesome. He was super old school. I, old school would probably be the, the phrase, the word, or yeah. the word, little hyphen in there I'd go with. Um, I mean, he, he was, he was old school. He was set in his ways and, uh, he was kind of, you know, one of the last of a dying breed of, you know, the junction boy, old school type <laughs> coaching style where it was, you know, run them till they can't run anymore. And um, I mean, you, you, you know, as well as anybody, everybody always says, you know, the only thing tougher than playing for O'Leary was coaching for him. Um, yeah. But I mean, it, 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 and he did, he did at that time, I think what he had to do, because, you know, we didn't always get the best talent and, uh, you know, they, him and his staff did a hell of a job coaching everybody up. And, and you guys did an unbelievable job in the weight room of getting everybody strong and fast. And uh, we were in better shape than everybody we played. I don't tougher. think people could can possibly understand how hard those practices were unless you watched it happen. No, and it's kind of funny, you know, obviously going through this is my sixth year in the NFL um, and, and guys tell stories all the time. You know, everybody had the hardest workouts in college and, you know, I kind of sit back and listen to them talk and it's like, you guys have no idea what it was like <laughs> playing with George O'Leary. Like, yeah, I'll never forget being, I mean, my last year there, we were at the Fiesta Bowl practicing at wherever we were practicing out in Arizona. And I mean, it was three days before a game. And uh, I remember O'Leary called me out to do an Oklahoma drill, and and I didn't have a mouthpiece. I had asked Tyler Gabbert was the backup. I had asked or uh, Tyler Gabbert for his mouthpiece. I I mean, 
there's probably maybe there is no other place that put the starting quarterback, especially maybe three days before a New Year's Day bowl game, in an Oklahoma drill. That probably no. didn't. <laughs> yeah, I you know, and then I go in after the game, and uh, you know, it was kind of like. Hey, coach, you know, really enjoyed my time here. Thanks for everything. You've had a huge impact on my life and my football career, but, you know, I'm kind of going to forego my my senior season and, you know, head to the NFL. And, you know, he obviously wanted to have a conversation about it. And all I could think about was I'm done doing these Oklahoma drills. Right. You don't <laughs> – I mean, you don't have to answer this. What did, When you said you're going, you're leaving, what did he say? Uh, well, first of all, I, had to, I sat outside of his office. Like, I'm nervous, right? People don't – you don't leave UC, – I mean, you know, you don't leave yeah. UCF. Early. Like, that's not something that really a whole lot of people had ever done. Um, it's not something that, you know, O'Leary was old school as far as you show up as a freshman, you red shirt, you play four years, you know, you get your full five in, you graduate. He was big on graduating, which was great. Right. Uh, but I sat outside nervous as hell. I talked to my mom, my dad a couple of times going over my speech. I'm going to give to him. And I sat outside for two hours because he was asleep in his office. So I had to wait for him <laughs> to wake up. So I'm just sitting outside thinking to myself over and over again, second guessing it. Should I go? Should I not go? So I get in there. I tell him. And uh, a, a, I, I mean, a sleepy George O'Leary, just, just a, drowsy, a George, yeah, with a couple, a couple empty, uh, empty six packs of 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 single stuffed Oreo containers just sitting there that he housed right before his nap. Oh, he's so awesome. Um, but yeah, he, uh, you know, he had a. I mean, it was. You sure you want to do this? You know, he kind of tried to talk me out of it a little bit, but I think you know once he realized that uh, that that my mind was made up, he was he was in full support and. Uh, and made sure that I know he'd do anything he could to help me. Oh, and I, <laughs> I remember you coming down to the weight room right after that happened, and you were like, "Yeah, you were shook from it." But yeah, that that was an experience for sure. But I mean, I what what I mean that what was it like for you coaching for him? Well, it's it was I don't know why I have no to this day I think about it. He really liked me. And so, and I, I don't know why, I don't know how he hit it off, I guess, because I was just so, because I was mean to the players and like, I, you know, whatever, we got after you guys. So he really liked us. And if you were doing your thing for Ellis, obviously you were in, but what I, there, there will never be another guy like him ever that will coach this game. But what I really appreciated about him is you knew exactly what you were going to get every single day. And he was not, yeah. I don't. You might have already left. Do you remember when we had the team meeting and he was like, all these coaches, they want to hug me and they, and coaches want to tell their players how much they, I love you. I love, you got to love your players. Like, I don't love any of you. I like some of you. <laughs> it was the best. And we're, and everybody was just like, yeah, fine. Because he was the same to everybody. He wasn't like, right. so there was nothing to complain about or there was everything to complain about, but we were all in it together. Right. Um, and he, you know, he had that mantra of old school kind of, uh, you know, hard, you know, tough, all that. But when you when you got him one, I mean, I remember it wasn't really till, and I don't know if he ever really, he, I don't think he really liked me till my last year there. But uh, why not? So I, I, we had some issues. I had a problem with authority when I first showed up on campus, uh, and he quickly got that out of me. Yeah, he'll, he'll but, straighten you out. Yeah, but my last year there, I mean, we had me and Joey Grant, um, you know, who was obviously you know was playing center. Uh, was my center there. I mean, we go in two or three times a week, you know, five thirty, six o'clock, 
you know, at night when nobody else was there and just sit down and, and kind of BS with, with O'Leary for an hour, hour and a half. And I mean, it was incredible. I mean, those were, those were some, some long conversations talking about Yankee baseball and, you know, mm-hmm. ex football players that O'Leary had coached back in the day. Um, I mean, those are, those were cool conversations that, you know, I'll always remember and cherish and, and time spent with him. He was, it was really cool. And, and, and if you, if you were one of the guys that he kind of liked, which as much affection as I think he felt for anybody, uh, you know, that's, it was that's a good as deep as it went. Yeah, like I, I mean, I, I would have loved to seen a video of his vows getting married to his wife because <laughs> seeing that guy say the word love would have oh, just been yeah. incredible. Yeah, I it, when you you have those conversations, you kind of like in real time, you're like logging them away because you know they're like you're making a memory when you're talking to that guy. And I remember he said, I forget who it was, but like somebody came to his office to do exactly what you did, and they were gonna leave. He's like, Coach, I'm gonna. I'm going to declare for the draft. And he was like, is the military still doing that? (laughs) Just Uh, looked at him dead serious. And the kid, like, just was devastated. (laughs) I mean, he was never going to BS you. He was going to give it to you straight and usually on the more uh, on the tougher side. Oh, absolutely. So I want to talk about that. We kind of what this whole man-child experiment movement is, is like, you need to struggle on purpose at things to get what you want and get the whole life experience you want out of your life. There's a lot of people that reference the experience at UCF and how hard it is to really be in uh, the crediting factor to longevity in the league. Because that thing will eat you up and spit you out from a media standpoint, from the 53 man, to getting traded, to getting cut, to all that sort of stuff. And when you play for a guy like that, it almost kind of prepares you for it. Would you agree? Yeah, no doubt. And, I I mean, anytime, you know, I'm still really good friends with, you know, Latavius Murray and um, a lot of guys in the NFL, Kamari, Kamel, you know, sitting, some guys that – that played for O'Leary that are in the NFL and you get a chance to talk to those guys anytime you see them. And it's, you know, you're always bringing constantly bringing up stories about UCF and how, you know, it made you into who you are and the guy you are. And like you talked about, I mean, there was, there, there's been nothing in my NFL career that was tougher than, you know, just a, a, a Wednesday practice at UCF. I mean, my last year there, we went, no, well, we went 12 and one or whatever. Yeah. One, you know, UCF's first ever BCS bowl game, won the Fiesta Bowl, beat Baylor. I think I got benched five times that year during practice throughout the week. Yeah. You know, it was, it was stuff like that. And it was always, you know, and his philosophy was, you know, let's make it as hard as we possibly can during the week so that on game day on Saturday, everything's easy for you. And not only did he do that, but, you know, like you said, past college, he made that easier for us. I mean, I think every guy that went through that program that, that you know, got an opportunity and made it to the NFL – um, it, it was the adversity, the pressure, the whatever you want to call it, wasn't near as big as what he put on us at practice at UCF. I, you're exact. I remember the entire defense. Not like a couple. Like one side of the ball was not allowed to continue on at practice, and they went and like hid behind a shed and ran through plays. I remember that happening in like camp. And we're like, and it's just, it's just incredible. It's like you. So these guys would like fight back just to be able to be able to practice instead of like complaining. Yeah. like he wouldn't let you practice if you weren't gonna practice hard he wouldn't let you even on there he'd just shut it down Man. right it was unreal. and i remember he say you know he would always say there's a different there's a difference between being injured and being hurt i mean oh, we yeah. had guys i mean i remember dudes first of all if you missed a practice throughout the week you weren't playing in the game 
like you, so you had to practice, which I think is huge. And it, you know, it trained me that, you know, I mean, anybody that plays football, you go through injuries throughout the season. And I mean, you see guys missing practice all the time. And I think it's, you know, especially in, important as a quarterback, you got to be there all the time. Your guys need to right. get you in the hallway every single day. That's huge. And I mean, I battled injuries, you know, throughout, you know, my years in Jacksonville and, and never missed a practice. And a lot of that was because that was the way I was trained. You know, whatever you got going on, you got to fight through and go out to practice. Or you're not going to be able to play this week. And that was something that, you know, there was a lot of mentalities and philosophies that whether you agreed with them or not, uh, they were instilled in you by just going through the program at UCF and kind of things that, you know, you can never get out of you. And a lot of it is stuff that, you know, whether or not you like it or agree with it, it is for the better and it gives you the best opportunity to, you know, kind of have the longest career possible in the NFL, like you said earlier. Well, and, you know, I understand we've been focusing on this for a long time, but you, I, you respect a guy that is – he's literally talking to the future version of yourself instead of trying to get the current version of yourself to like him. Like that was never his concern, no matter who no, you no. are. And there's so many – you know, I, I was one of them, and I'd imagine there's very few guys that realize that while they're going through it. Right. That's one of the things like – like I mean, after the fact, it was like, wow, now I understand what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's there's it's getting to be fewer and farther between guys like that that are coaching that are in the coaching business. Um, so I carry a lot of that. Obviously, you do too. You tell me, right? We have an edit button. We do not have to talk about it. Do talk about it. Whatever, right? But you go and almost lead the Jacksonville Jaguars to a Super Bowl, right? And then yeah. you're you they ask you to move on. Right. That's that's so you've had some in college. You've had some really big ups, some really big downs. Nobody knew who you were. All of a sudden you explode onto the scene. You you get drafted at a really high level. You're playing for a a historical organization that struggles. All of a sudden you guys explode people. And, you know, obviously your your guys in your corner that saw you do this, you know, on a Thursday night against Houston in college, we are like, yeah, we've been waiting on this. And then it happens. And then obviously it, it goes in a different direction with the nfl can turn on you in a and so what is your you know what's your mindset as that took place and then um since then and what have you learned you know it's been uh it's been wild you know like like you pointed out the ups and downs those will always continue to happen regardless of the level you play at or how old you are that always happens um so i mean it was Obviously incredible. And, and, you know, going back to Leary, the what I mean, I, I'll never forget the one thing he said to me was uh, he said, well, you're going to be a, after he kind of agreed that, you know, I was leaving. He goes, well, you're going to be a high draft pick. Uh, and he goes, I just hope you know you're going to play for a bad team. And that was the end of our discussion. <laughs> so that was kind of, you know, that's kind of the 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 bad, the, the bad side of, of getting taken early. You know, there's a reason why teams picking early in the draft is because you know they they've struggled the previous year or previous years um and, and Jacksonville was one of those teams you know I uh I went in we had a really good signing uh 2014 draft class you know with Allen Robinson and Telvin Smith and Brandon Linder we had some good players on that on, on that class and we showed up to a, a team in Jacksonville that um hadn't had a whole lot of success and, and we're building something I mean Gus Bradley was was kind of leading the charge uh and, and, and it took us a couple years 
um, to really kind of figure it out. The first, my rookie year, you know, go went into it, wasn't supposed to play a snap my rookie year. I started the second half of the third game and played the rest of the season. So it was kind of thrown into the fire, which, you know, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, I, I thought that was the best way to learn. And as long as you're mentally strong enough to not let that ruin you as a player, those those defeats and those, those bad times and adversity that you go through, you can learn a lot from it. So I, I thought that was good. And, uh, you know, then we turn around into the second year and um, we had a big offensive year. Our defense struggled a bit, but, uh, you know, I think we threw for 35 touchdowns, which was uh, second in the league, one behind Tom Brady. And then so we come back our third year looking for a good year, plug some uh, some spots in on defense and uh, and we struggled offensively. I didn't play good that year. Uh, we had some guys get banged up. So we turned around into year four, and it was kind of like nobody knows who we're going to be. I think we got a pretty good defense. We brought in Calais Campbell and some some big pieces on defense. And, uh, you know, we started out all right. And then I think we were two and two at one point and then got hot and, you know, rattled off seven or eight straight. Yeah. Um, and it was cool to see a place like Jacksonville that hadn't had a whole lot of success and, you know, over it hadn't been to the playoffs in over a decade. Uh, the city really came alive and was behind the team. And, you know, that, that was that was one of the, the, the more fun times I've ever had in football. Um, and, and that, you know, obviously led us all the way to the AFC championship game. And, you know, we were up 10 points with five minutes left and and weren't able to pull that one out. And, uh, you know, we come off of that, you know, thinking the following year I signed, a, you know, a three year extension and thinking we had a really good shot with everybody coming back. And then uh, year five, which was last season, uh, things just didn't go to plan. You know, we, we got we got bit by the injury bug, got beat up up front, and, you know, things kind of fell apart. And, you know, I was just given a new deal, and obviously expectations come with that, and I didn't live up to those expectations. And, and, and it is a business. If, if you're getting paid a certain amount of money and, and not earning that money uh, week in and week out every Sunday, you know, they're going to find somebody else that can. And, you know, I don't, I don't have any regrets or any excuses for what happened. Um, you know, I take full responsibility for, for not living up to my end of the bargain. Do I wish that, you know, they, they would have, you know, given us another opportunity, another year? Um, of course, because I, I really think we could have done sp- something special um, if we could have kept that group together there. They fired offensive quarter, uh, coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, you know, halfway through the year. I got benched, and then obviously they, they released me after the season. Um, you know, I, I would have loved to have another opportunity, you know, to, to, to make another run at it, you know, the following year. Um, but th- that wasn't the case. So you, you move on. I'm um, grateful for everything that organization did for me. They gave me an opportunity to, uh, to live out my dream of playing the NFL. Uh, for five years and um, you know now now I'm out in LA uh, trying to continue that dream right new and I want to get to what LA living's all about I know you'd spent some off seasons out there before you'd love the west coast but before we put that to bed that you said something really interesting that you said I own it it was mine which which goes back to what was ingrained in you when you were coming out and coming from UCF what is your take on this this transfer transfer portal, the guy that you know you're a five star. We got three five stars on campus. If I don't win the job, I'm just going to another top ten program. There's really not a lot of guys that are just staying and sticking stuff out. Do you have right. an opinion on that? Do you think that that's damaging to them or the game or the people? What you know? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm- 
as against it as you can possibly be. You know, I'm against it at every level. I, I you know, I don't know what it's like across the country. I know in my hometown now, the, at the high school level, it, I mean, it's open enrollment. Kids can go wherever you want. You know, I grew up. You, you went to the school that you you lived in, and you played for your town, and you represented your town. And, and I thought that was cool to represent your town every Friday night, playing with the kids that you grew up playing with. Now kids are bouncing all over the place. And then the whole portal thing is is that you know kind of brought it to a whole nother level right. um, in, in college. And you know, I, I think there's, I, I think that's just it, it's allowing kids that's the way of the world now with social media and everything going on. If you're not playing, if you're not doing good, go somewhere else. You know, there's guys that end up in the NFL now that went to four colleges in four years and stuff like that. So, I mean, I couldn't be more against it. You know, I know from, from personal experience, I, you weren't at UCF yet, but when I committed, uh, they told me I was going to be the only quarterback they, uh, they were bringing in. And then two weeks before signing day, they signed uh, Jeff Godfrey, who was a really good player out of Miami Central. So he shows up and rolls early, and he's the starting quarterback at UCF before I even get on campus. So I'm thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. We're the same age. You know, they kind of they went behind my back and brought this other kid in. Yada, yada. So I'm pissed. I go through my freshman year, a red shirt. Jeff wins UCF's first ever bowl game. We beat Georgia in the Liberty Bowl. And it's looking like this kid's going to play four years. I'm going to have to red shirt and wait till my fifth year to get to play one. So I remember asking my dad, you know, hey, uh, after my red shirt freshman year, hey, um, you know, this this isn't looking like I'm going to get a chance to play. You know, what do you think about maybe transferring? We go one double A or something. I just want to play football. And uh, and my dad said, well, what's your goal? I said, my goal is to play in the NFL. He goes, well, how are you going to do that if you're not even the best quarterback on your own team? Oh, wow. And uh, and that was something that stuck with me and was kind of, you know, got me back to, to who I was and, you know, how I was raised. And, and you're right. You know, I, I chose this place. Let's make it work. And if not, then uh, I'll go play intramural flag football and softball for the rest <laughs> of my life. Which isn't a bad gig at UCF. There's a lot of there's a lot of talent not walking around. Not at all. You know, intramural softball. You know, those post game uh, those post game parties in the parking lot aren't bad. Not at all. Well, so you had it coming both ways. You were getting it at home. You better you stay there and fight. You were getting it at the school. You're getting it in the weight room. There's a lot of things. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it, it was cool because it, it. You know. It, I struggled at first playing for O'Leary, and then it was kind of like, you know, it's no different than the way I was raised. It's just he's rougher around the edges than, you know, my dad was growing up. But it's the same message. It's the same mentality. It's the, you know, the the best uh, the best ability is availability, you know, that whole thing. So it was, um, I mean, it was all the same stuff. Yeah. So you, you are you digging being in L.A.? Yeah. You know, I like it. It's, uh, it's obviously a – polar opposite than, than living in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you know, taxes and traffic are a headache, but but outside of that, it's, you know, you don't ever got to check the weather. It's 75 and sunny every single day, and um, I mean, the football is good. Sean McVay is uh, extremely intelligent, offensive mind, so enjoy being around him. I've known Jared Goff, or we got the same agent and work out together in the offseason, so I've known him for, for four years now. Oh, so that's now. cool. So you got, you, you got a good thing going. It's, there's no weird, yeah. There's no weirdness or anything like that. No, no, we uh, we 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 hang out in the off season and go play golf together and do all that. So uh, it, it's been good, you know. Obviously, wish uh, wish our season was going a little better. We're six and five now, but um, you know, we still still got a little chance, some chance to make it to the postseason. So uh, we'll, we'll keep working on that. Do you get to Wade Phillips? Seems like he'd be a good time. Yeah, he uh, he's awesome. He uh, he's limping around the facility. <laughs> 
and uh, he's just, I mean, he's a, he's a, just an abundance of knowledge, football knowledge. I mean, I, I, I love just thinking of random questions of fo- about football, about guys. I mean, he's been around everybody that's ever been in the NFL. He knows everybody. Um, so, I mean, anything you got about football history, this guy's got some sort of personal experience with it. You got any good Tom Coughlin stories? Any good Tom Coughlin stories? Um, I don't know if any of them are acceptable for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Um, I threw it out there. Yeah. I didn't know. I understand. Yeah, Tom was uh, – he, he was he, he was similar to O'Leary yeah. um, and that old school mentality. Um, but it was just such a weird dynamic with him kind of being, he wasn't coaching. He was the, you know, the president or director of operations or, you know, whatever you want to call his role. Um, you know, so it was kind of, you know, it's like, could you imagine putting O'Leary in that role? You know, it was just weird. Cause it's like, this guy's not my coach, but he's yelling at me. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, like, oh. it's like, I don't know what to say to him. Cause this guy could cut me at any moment, but I, he, you know, he's yelling at me. He's got no idea what our offensive scheme is. And, uh, it, it was it was interesting for sure, but I mean his uh, his resume obviously speaks for itself and the success that he's had winning two Super Bowls. I saw somewhere you were in an interview and they were like, you saw Coughlin in the locker room and he walked by and said, it was after the Patriots game or whatever, and he was like, you played good in the first half and then just walked away and you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's a couple things like that. Um, like after we, uh, I think the only time he told me good game was we beat, when we beat Pittsburgh in the divisional round before the AFC Championship. He said good game, but he always had, you know, any any time he gave you a compliment, he had to uh, he had to always immediately bring you back down with something you did negative. I think that was that whole generation because they they did they felt very uncomfortable given a lot of praise and they needed to make sure immediately that you didn't think more of yourself then. Yeah, no doubt. That was, that was definitely that, uh, that whole, and, and I mean, kind of the way the world's going now though, and you know, everybody getting participation trophies and telling you how good you are. And, um, I, I kind of prefer the old ways better. Well, I can't agree with you. You're telling me you didn't get the Oviedo lions participation trophy. You didn't get, <laughs> No, I mean, I like the the way I grew up, you know, I know it's even, I mean, people don't grow up like that anymore. I mean, I grew up playing Pop Warner football. Your dad wasn't allowed to coach you, so there was no, you know, putting your kid at quarterback and doing all that. I mean, nowadays it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. And, and, you know, I feel bad for kids co- or guys coaching, you know, youth football, whether in more so high school, because you can't coach kids hard anymore. Because, you know, a kid goes home and tells his mom that he got yelled at by the coach. The coach has got a chance of getting fired. Why did it change? You have you've been around. I mean, you're not an old dude, but you've been around long enough that you can remember the other way pretty, you know, explicitly how it used to be. And that but kids are still coming out the same way, but people are treating kids differently. Why did that? Why does Blake Bortles think that changed? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I got all kinds of philosophies on oh, why the world got involved. Let's go. Oh, dude, I just I think it's the social media thing. I think it's the the PC culture. I think it's the I think it's all of it, man. It, 
it became, I think social media opened it up to everybody have an opinion. And there's so many people out there that are just willing to jump on somebody as soon as they do something wrong without having any details of the actual story. They see a headline from a paper that somebody else wrote and they immediately form an opinion. I mean, nobody forms their own opinions anymore. It's, I mean, it's no different than the sports world. You know, you got Stephen A. Smith and, you know, Max Kellerman and all these clowns up there that are forming the opinion Uh-oh. of America sports and it's like dude why 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 do these guys have the ability that have never played any sport at any sort of high level to now form the the the, uh, the public's opinion you know stuff like that just you I know go on that's about interesting that. that is very because i did not think about really you, we we talk about fox news and cnn and how insane politics got but it wasn't until the last 15 years that it, the 24-hour sports news cycle and you have to invent shows and content to keep it going and you've got just five panelists just yelling at each other about how you played quarterback and then you've got some dude that hates his life and he just sits there and listens to it all and then regurgitates it to somebody else and then takes it out on his kid's coach there has to be a connection there i think you're on to something there. no doubt i mean it's uh it's crazy man it's um it's definitely a different world than it was 15 20 years ago so, all right, another philosophy question. Where is it? Is it just going to implode and we have to start all over? Or is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? Are we are we going to stop watching it altogether because we're just sick of it? What do you think? Right. Dude, I, don't, I think this is the part where, like, we just become old. Like, it's no different than any generation <laughs> before us. It goes, you know, I mean, my parents, my parents look at our generation and go, man, our world's doomed. And I'm sure their parents looked at their generation and said, this world's doomed. And, and you know, we're getting to that age now to where we start thinking the same thing. And I think that's just how you become old. You know, you, 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 uh, you, oh, no. you, you fall in love with a style of clothes and then you don't ever change as the clothes oh. evolve. And then now you're wearing old people clothes, you know? So our wringing our hands at social media is like your dad wearing white New Balances and saying, why do you got holes in your jeans? No doubt. Like the fact that he still wears, you know. That's a sobering reality. Levi's that, um, you know, look like they could fit over an elephant's leg. (laughs) You know, it's just the dead. The whole world tightened up their clothes in like 2009. Everybody slimmed them down, Pops. And nobody else did, you know, so I'm sure it'll, uh, it'll, it goes in full circle. Well, I would like to take this opportunity here and now on the podcast to extend a, a genuine apology to Mr. Robbie Bortles for keeping the sun pass in your previous truck for too long. And, you know, racking up a bill in the, uh, was that thing still working? I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I think Susie. So it was like, look, you gotta, you gotta deactivate that thing because we're we're getting fun, we're getting charged. And I was like, oh god, I'm sorry. So yeah, okay. I, I tried to just leave you a little present in there. <laughs> uh, if you didn't know, I uh, for a very, 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 very lower than value uh, deal acquired Blake Bortles' college vehicle after uh, the draft, and uh, it's one of my prouder, prouder moments. You know how. How long did that thing last you? So it lasted all the way to West Virginia. So stayed at UCF, went up to the Bengals, went down to Marshall, and uh, then it was it started being insane and like shaking and like shutting off, and the windows wouldn't roll up or down. And I was like, you know what? 
I uh, I you know I thought about forging your autograph on the headrest and then uh, putting it on eBay. <laughs> but I didn't do that. So you know, are you in the Tesla right now? I am. So you, are you in the? I gotta, did you get the Tesla truck? No, 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 no. Well, you know, I thought about it, but then once uh, once I saw the the Rocco uh, split the window, I said, nah, "I'm out." Well, your windows right now aren't bulletproof. Yeah, I know, but you can't advertise shatterproof windows and then put on a display and try and prove that and they shatter. I don't know. See, I'm kind of. I was like, that thing looks stupid. It looks like the truck from Halo. And then the fact that they threw a rock at it and broke it and then just stood there and be like, eh. I thought that was kind of interesting, actually. I was kind of right, like, you know you, what? I'm, I, I, I'm, you now, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm team uh, whatever the guy's name is. Whatever. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? He, stand, he says, yeah, so what? It happened. And he still can drag an F-150 up a hill with that thing because it's just it runs on a Duracell or something. Yeah. <laughs> they just they got a little energizer, energizer bunny in the hood. Well, it's interesting you brought up your dad's jeans because this is, and I know you got to get to your meetings. So we have a. This is some of the uh, the man children out there want to know: Does Blake Bortles have a favorite pair of jeans? A favorite pair of jeans? Uh, yeah, usually whichever ones are clean. Oh, are you a are you a slim fit, low rise, skinny? What are we dealing with? I like uh, I slim fit. One off is skinny. Like I like them, you know, slim and good fitting, but not like to wear. You know, if I flex my, you know, quad, not that there's a whole lot there, but, you know, you can see the muscle. Like, I don't need it that tight. Do you, uh, you, you kind of get that skater vibe. Can you skateboard or you're not allowed, contractually allowed to do something like that? Uh, I mean, I could ollie with the best of them back in the day. But, you were uh, at the Oviedo Skate Park mixing it up? Yeah, yeah, you know, I could drop in and, and buzz around the ball a little bit, <laughs> but uh, that was, I was more of a, a just a longboarder down some big hills. Oh, longboarder. There's no hills in Oviedo. Yeah, but you go over to Claremont, they got some nice hills over there. Oh, okay, I got you. All right. Uh, is there a young lady that has settled down the the wild rambling man yet? Um, not quite, not quite. I actually, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but I have a daughter. Did we talk about this? Uh, maybe you should have led with that. Yeah, no, I think that, <laughs> so I had a daughter, um, uh, she'll we be two, actually. We obviously talk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn we had this conversation. She'll be two, uh, she'll be two, actually, um, December 12th. So she's coming out to Shut California. Up. So, That's my yeah, birthday. No, it's not, dude. How about that? So yeah, she'll be out here for her birthday. So I'll have to make sure I give you a call. We wish you a happy birthday. Well, I'll sing to her and she can sing. How old is she? She'll be two. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, hold on. Time out. Blake Bortles is a father. Yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. How's that going? Oh, man, it's great. It's uh, it's a whole lot of uh, looking on Google about how I'm supposed to handle certain situations. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, this whole time, this whole time there's like this – underline like wow you know he's so wise in his years now it's like this is a different that's it you had a kid it's that's what it was and just immediately got that like dad strength too like i felt a little bit stronger (laughs) yeah you did your dad you've got dad strong hopefully you don't have dad bod hopefully you're keeping you know my guy's taking care of that out there for you and then uh so you, yeah, you're just old and you're an old curmudgeon and you're crusty about it now. 
because you that's gotta, all man. You got a daughter i'm getting old i hate the world you know i hate the the new way of life and uh that's <laughs> because I have a kid is uh the reason why what do you got on the what's on your playlist now what is your go-to what's your what's your are you spotify guy or apple itunes guy Dude, I get crap for this all the time, but I am faithful to Pandora. What do you got, like premium, or we you still got the commercials? No, I got commercials. I ain't paying that. Oh, my gosh. What are you doing? So I go Pandora. Cause dude, like Spotify, you got to know what you want to listen to. Like, I don't really ever know what I want to listen to. So Pandora, I kind of just, you know, throw a, a pick a band or pick a singer or pick a genre or whatever, and it just, you know, shuffles through all that music. What do you? What band do you pick? Uh, well, I usually go back, I go Rolling Stones, Pandora, oh, Eric Church, Pandora, yeah. and then, uh, I mean, I'll throw on, I listen to a lot of rap at the facility, obviously, and around football, so I get my rap in <laughs> obviously. there. Obviously, I get my rap in, you know, at the football facility, and then I get my country and rock uh, in the car on the way, so I kind of cover it all. Do you have the, um, the, the special turn signal sounds? for this tesla oh the whoopee cushion yeah yeah i do you you got that set up so you don't you don't pay for spotify but it was a real uh requirement for you to have a whoopee cushion turn signals yes that that was an extra uh, extra package i had to buy for the tesla i needed that whoopee cushion so you're certainly you're you've got you're 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 straddling the line between old guy dad and what are you doing? You're still there. You hear that? No, I can't. Put put your phone up against the whoopee cushion sound. Well, I can't because the phone is connected to oh, the speaker. Oh, that's right. You have hands-free. You're in L.A. No, you. But, yeah, the whoopee cushion. There's all kinds of cool little, you know, thingamadoosers in this car. It's cool. You know, cool, eco-friendly. I care about the environment because I live in California. You have to now or they'll shame you. Exactly. But, you know, I go back to Florida and then I got a pickup truck. So, you know, I got both. I got, I got the best of both worlds. Cruising down Daytona Beach, just blowing smoke. Oh, you know it. That place is a cesspool now. Good Lord. Oh, it's cesspool. We used to go to, there's a bar there called Razzles that we used to get into in high school. We go over there for spring break and I swear half the people in there were homeless. Homeless. Oh. Yeah, that was an interesting spot. Daytona Beach is a special place. It it really I like to go to Daytona Beach on like a weekday and just it gets extra sad. Like, oh dude, no I mean the the two biggest by far biggest events in Daytona Beach are the, the five hundred and bike week and both of them are just absolute spectacles of people. Oh yeah. You know what you should do is go and like host like a like a man-child event during Bike Week, like I mean, I I don't, I don't see a, a better crowd to get involved with for the man-child podcast than Bike Week. <laughs> I think I mean, like it could exactly be like we could do a whole Blake Bortles comes home, you know that type of thing, and you're hosting it, and you pick out just your favorite characters, and uh, you know pick their brain a little bit. I agree, a hundred percent. You got to get to your meeting. What time is it? Twelve. I got seven minutes. So, okay. All right. Um, what else you got? What you, did you pick up surfing yet? Uh, I could. I started surfing when I, I came out here uh, originally and was staying down in Orange County. Um, I trained with Jordan Palmer. Uh, it was Carson Palmer's younger brother. And yeah, they were. I remember when they came were big surfers. Yeah, 
Yep, yep, yep. Wait. They were big surfers, so he got me into it when I was training with them, and uh, I, I do it every now and then. I, I can do it. I'm not very good at it. It's kind of like skateboarding. Like, I can, but, you know, I'm not, not good at all. Carson surfs? Carson does, yeah. Carson, they do everything. They surf, play golf. They do all kinds of stuff. I mean, Those I can are, see him playing golf. That's a big man on a longboard. Yeah, and his brother's just as big as he is. They can both surf. So what do you what's going on for Thanksgiving? I actually just had the family out. Uh, my parents' brother and his girlfriend came out, and uh, his his girlfriend's actually from out here. So her whole family came up, and we had Thanksgiving meal a week early um, this past Thursday. So I'm actually headed to uh, one of our offensive linemen having a, a bunch of people over um, for the actual Thanksgiving this week. So I'm gonna head over there. You still is your brother still playing baseball? He's done. He uh, His one thing was he, he played at Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, he played baseball at Ole Miss and then got drafted by the Tigers and was in their uh, their minor league organization. And, um, you know, his one thing was I'll play as long as, you know, I, I keep progressing. He didn't ever want to go backwards. So he got to double A, uh, got all the way to double A and was, was doing all right and then kind of hit a swamp. And, um, I mean, he, uh, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. So they sent him back to single A and he said, all right, I'm done. Wait. Real brotherly love. Well, you're keeping it real. You're keeping it real with him. So he's done. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah, he's done. He's actually he's coaching now at Rollins, uh, private school over yeah. in Winter Park. Yeah. yeah. He's over there coaching, doing that. So he's loving it, getting involved, staying around the game. He loves baseball. So uh, he'll, he'll be uh, a really good baseball coach. Mom retired. She's still teaching. She's done. No, she retired. Uh, Dad's still working. He's got a couple years left probably. What's he doing? Um he sells uh, sells electronics, little Why stuff to like. Working. I don't know. He gets bored, so he's got to have something to do. I mean, you can't. You'd be like, Dad, you don't have to work. I got this. Yeah, I think he knows that, but like, he's he's way too prideful to ever just say that. All right, I'm gonna retire and live off my son. <laughs> he would never. Uh, and wait, so you, you guys have not had that conversation. You're just like, no, no. Well, it's still. I mean, it's a fight every time we go to dinner together over who pays the bill. And it's like, well, I bought your plane ticket to come to California, and now you want to pay the bill at dinner? Like, no, I, 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 Listen, I got it. It's let, okay, Dad. Let the old man have it. All right. I give, I give him one every now and then. He bought breakfast this morning. Oh, so they're in town now. Yeah, they're actually they're headed out today. They got in Thursday. Uh, went to the game last night and. Uh, they're headed out. I think their flight's at three or so, so they're headed back to Florida today. So they're not making the West Coast move. They're not moving out there. No, no, no. They could. They they uh, they're not California people. Are you a Californian? Like when you're done playing ball, you're gonna stay in California? No, no. I'll I'll be back in the South somewhere. Where are you picking? Are you going back to Florida? I don't know. I mean, Florida's kind of all I've ever known, but um, I wouldn't mind getting somewhere that actually has four seasons. I was in Athens this weekend. I went to see the old boys. How were they? They, They're still – I puked. I jumped in the staff workout (laughs) and threw up everywhere. And then – but, yeah, they got four seasons in Athens. You can go hang out with – Yeah, Athens isn't the best spot. There's some cool towns in Georgia. Yeah, there are. You can go hang out with Kirby. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you're the man, dude. I appreciate the time. And I really, what I had to do to get a hold of you to have a conversation, catch up, was just start a podcast. That's what I had to do. Right, that, that's all you had to do. Next thing you know, we had a forty-five minute conversation. You ought to start a couple more podcasts. <laughs> we'll get Joey, hey, I, Joey Graham I, here I, next time. 
Oh, though we got to get Joe. Joey has the, he's got the best O'Leary stories because he's got such a good memory. He remembers every little thing. So you, you got to get him on here uh, for some of them stories. Yeah, absolutely. What were you gonna say? I cut you off. You forgot. Uh, I was gonna say I appreciate talking to you. Oh. Hey, I miss you, man. I'm glad we got to catch up and talk. Well, I miss you too. You know, it break. It just those were good times. Those were good. Those were good weird times in Orlando. And they were fun. They were, man. They were. Hey, tell uh, tell your family I said hey. Will do. Jay still knows who Blake Bortles is. Still, you know the 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 Jaguars jersey doesn't fit anymore. We're gonna have to get him a, a Rams one. So we'll have to. Perfect. Uh, I'll send I'll send one your way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. That's it. That's my guy, man. Love Blake Bortles. Love that guy. Uh, thank you to David Lessing, author and creator and performer of the Manchild podcast jingle, if you will. Uh, thank you to uh, Patrick Davis, our engineer, our website designer and developer, and posting all of our content online and wherever podcasts are found i say that but we're i think we're only on apple podcasts right now so we're working on that um guys soak it up live it up work really hard rest really hard be good to people be honest with people don't let people take advantage of you and have a merry merry christmas and uh, as always keep up with us at themanchildmedia.com thanks guys